If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. Oh, we could, we could fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together, and this... Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit sixflags.com slash Coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99. Welcome to the 12 Gays of Christmas, where we are all about coming down your chimney. I am Dame Brian J. Moylan, and I would like to welcome our esteemed guest, internet famous writer, New York Times bestseller, I should say fellow New York Times bestseller, our Eric Thomas. He's written on... Dickinson. He's written on Better Things, one of the best shows on television. And today, he is here to talk to us about Christmas. Merry Christmas, our Eric Thomas. Oh, Merry Christmas, Brian J. Moylan. I'm so happy to be here. You're the Mariah Carey of of the of gays, I think. Oh and, my and gosh! Thank you. I always say that Miami is the Mariah Carey of cities. So I. Oh, that's a. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm happy to be compared to the Mariah Carey of anything, honestly. I feel like that's a lot to unpack with Miami, but I you know what? It feels spiritually correct, so I will I'll allow it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, we are going to talk about your favorite Christmas movie in a moment, but mm-hmm. are you a Christmas person? I am. I I I used to be very Christmas, like counting down the days, you know, get my little muff, go walking around New York, monologuing to myself. <laughs> um, I'm a little less now because it's, as an adult, it's less, I mean, like as, you know, a further adult, like when I was in my 20s, I was very into it. But like as a, like, you know, now I'm 40, I'm like, oh, it's just a lot of obligation. It's like, oh, I got to travel. I got to buy gifts for children. Um and it feels less, uh, you know, the spirit of the season. Like, right. I wish Christmas was in, like, June. I'm like, I'm ready for a little bit of festive in June. But December, I'm like, I'm just tired, babe. <laughs> so, Living in London, I love Christmas even more because the weather is so shitty and it gets dark so early. That's all we have to look forward to. So at least, mm-hmm. like, through Christmas, I'm like, yes, it's Christmas and it's bright and there's lots to do. And then January, I'm like, fucking murder me. I, like, right, right. It's really weird. Like, it's like, oh, Christmas is the end of the year. It's the end of the, you know, but it's in the middle of the winter. And you're like, okay, this is an anticlimax. Uh, we don't, like, Caesar didn't know what the fuck he was doing. <laughs> no, he does not. Um, <laughs> know who my least favorite Christmas people are, though, is the, I have so many holiday parties people. Because oh, like, God. no one ever invites me to any fucking holiday parties. <laughs> like, am I not popular? Do my friends not just throw holiday parties? Like, invite me to all the holiday. I'll go to every one. Just I feel the me. same way. I don't know. Like, I feel like 
in my, I don't, I was going to say in my circle of friends, but I don't have a circle of friends. I have like a smatter, like I have like a scatter plot, like a Roy shock test of friends. Um, <laughs> and, but like, I feel like I am one of the few people in, of the people that I'm closest to who is like, oh, I'm going to throw a party, you know, holly jolly, turkey lurkey. And I'm like, I don't want to, I'm not going to throw a party. Um, but nobody else is throwing parties. And so then we just all sit around in our own houses. I want to like, go put on a little velvet blazer and, you know, drink an eggnog someplace. I love that stuff. I um, started throwing. I feel like I'm the same. Like, I'm the one in my Rorschach test of friends who would actually throw a party. And I never did a holiday party for many years, but then there's an event in New York City called Toys for Tots. Are you familiar with this? It's like Mm -hmm. this party that all the like Fire Island gay, it's like Fire Island in sweaters and like everyone, it's like tits and teeth and everyone has to bring a toy to give to a tot or something or whatever. And so, Uh and it's like impossible to get tickets and all this bullshit. And so I decided on the same Sunday evening, I was going to throw a party and it was called Toys for Twats. And it was a... (laughs) Um, sex toy gift exchange. So you'd like bring a sex toy <laughs> and you would get a sex toy. And perfect. But then I was like, wait, but like, how do we make this for twats? And so then I was like, oh, we'll like collect money and give it to Planned Parenthood. So that's how we that made is it. Toys so for twats. Beautiful. I'm so, I'm so impressed. That is really the reason for the season. It's like, let's do something virtuous out of spite. Um, and that you know <laughs> yes and that is also like filthy and wonderful yeah, yes what was a christmas like in the thomas household as you were growing up oh well like my parents are very good at christmas and it was like they would do the night we didn't ever believe in santa claus you know we grew up evangelical christian and so it's like well no santa didn't die on the cross um and uh <laughs> so there was no santa I, so who brought the presents was- jesus no, my parents. They're like, we bought these. You think we worked this hard to give credits to some white man? Um, so they would, you know, we would buy our little gifts and put them down. And then we go upstairs. And, you know, and the night before, though, my mother would like pull all the presents from like her hiding places. They were never labeled. And so she would just sort of know. But like sometimes she'd be like, I think that box is yours. We'll see. Um, which is always an adventure. But like, so, you know, it was always just like this big surprise Christmas morning, just all the boxes and everything. But we weren't allowed to come downstairs until they started playing gospel music on the stereo. That was the cue that, you know, the right. show's about to begin. So we had a little overture, which is very nice. And we, then we had to come down and sing happy birthday to Jesus. Uh, so we would sing happy birthday to you, to Jesus, which is weird that we, the only weird thing about that, all of this is weird, but it's weird that we didn't see like the Stevie Wonder version of Happy Birthday. Yes, which is that, that the feels... far superior. Ha- I loathe I the agree. traditional Happy Birthday song. The Stevie mm-hmm. Wonder one is the only one I want to hear. Thank you. That's the way I feel, and that's why Jesus feels. Um, <laughs> so we'd sing this dirgy Happy Birthday to Jesus, and then we'd go and unwrap presents. And my dad it would like come in like three seconds into the thing come in with this huge trash bag and start collecting the paper. Like, he was already working on, like, cleaning up the parade before we got done. And then we'd go to church some years, and some years we wouldn't. And that was kind of it. We'd have dinner. Sometimes we'd visit relatives. But it was mostly, like, based at the house, which was really nice. And it's weird now as an adult to not have 
you know, we tried to establish new traditions, but it's like, you know, waking up, going downstairs, singing happy birthday to Jesus. That's kind of the core thing. And so... Do you still sing happy birthday to Jesus? Unfortunately, I do not. Now my husband will play the Preacher's Wife soundtrack uh, on, on Christmas mornings, which is one of my other favorite Christmas movies. I mean, an extra special good one, I must say. Absolutely. I don't know why I didn't choose that. I'm a little upset that you did it now. <laughs> um, so... Would you like to tell us what your favorite Christmas movie is? <laughs> yes. In a deep betrayal of the Black Grace, I have chosen White Christmas, starring Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye, Rosemary Clooney, and Vera Allen. I did a little Wikipedia-ing on Vera Allen. Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. like know about her her deal? I don't think I do. So no. she, uh, you know, was a dancer. I mean, fantastic in the movie. Very thin, rumored to be an anorexic, and apparently there mm-hmm. was a rumor that her neck is covered in like the whole movie, and apparently it's because her neck looked all screwed up from being so skinny. And um, she married a Rothschild and had oh. his baby, and the baby died of SIDS in like 1964 and she like retreated from public life and that was like the end of her that's so interesting it's so funny i have thought throughout my life because we i would you know we watched this very early very young we had the vhs and so i was obsessed with this movie and i was just so compelled by her she's so gorgeous and she's so just like live and dynamic on screen and and she sort of doesn't seem to fit in the movie you know she's like very glam um and I always was like, oh, I love Vera Ellen. And I never did any further research. I was I was never like, so who is this person? Right, where did she so that's go? that's fascinating and sad. And I love that it's Vera hyphen Ellen. That, so she's yeah. like one name like Cher, but also two names mm-hmm. like Anne Margaret. <laughs> yeah, yes, like Anne Margaret. They was, those girls were killing those hyphens back in the day. I they were mean. like giving them out. At the Montgomery Wards for free. And they're like, I'll take a hyphen. Thank you very much, baby. So you said you watched this movie very early. Did you watch it like every Christmas? Do you have any traditions around it? Like, how do you feel about White Christmas now? I, well, I, so we didn't, so we'd watch it every Christmas, but also I'd watch it all the time. Like we had maybe, I don't know, we had a good number of VHSs, but not that many. And so like, it was my sort of like, it was the movie that I just sort of imprinted on it, like seven years old. And I was like, I'm going to watch White Christmas after school on a, like a Tuesday in September. So there's no like formal traditions. It just was a, like, it was a movie that we really loved. I loved, my brothers loved. And as I got older, and actually I remember like having, I was always compelled by the Danny Kay being Crosby relationship because Danny Kay is absolutely a homosexual in this movie and despite the fact that he and Vera Ellen very quickly fall in love and uh, and eventually get married I, I presume but as I was watching it on the drive-in screen there's this one scene where to create a diversion Danny Kay and Bing Crosby do a basically a drag number yes like uh and you know, they're wearing like weird garters on their heads and like little bows and it's very it's very camp and Danny is really selling it. And I was sitting in the back of my parents' car watching this and I was like, Oh, I get why I love this movie. As a like seven year old, I was like, I love drag. Hands <laughs> across the board. Lord help the mister who comes 
between me and my sister and lord help the sister who comes between me and my man before we get into it i'm just gonna give some information about the movie for our listeners um it came out in 1954 and was directed by michael curtis and written by melvin frank norman krasna and norman panama and i could only imagine now there being two normans in the same room that would be like a very (laughs) strange thing the score is by irving berlin who obviously wrote the title song white christmas but this the song is actually not from white christmas it was Mm -hmm. this is the third time bing crosby sang the song it premiered in 1942's holiday inn and he then sang it in 1946's Blue Skies, so the song was 12 years old when the movie came out. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know It was released in October which seems a little strange to me considering it's White Christmas. Mm-hmm. And it was the first film produced in VistaVision, which was a new wide format film that made pictures bigger and colors richer, including Bing Crosby's eyes, which are so blue, he looks like mm-hmm. a White Walker. <laughs> yes. Intense. Um, yeah. <laughs> the budget was $2 million, and it was the highest grossing movie of the year, earning $12 million at the box office, which would be $120 million in today's dollars. And it currently has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 77%. Too low. This movie is amazing. Who? Who out there? Who is criticizing White Christmas? At the time, the New York Times did not love it. They loved Fish Division, but they thought it was boring and they thought the songs were bad. And um, I I had never seen this movie before you chose it. I rented it on Amazon. And one of the things mm-hmm. I love about Amazon is like when you put the cursor on the screen, when you watch it on your laptop, it gives you like fun facts. And mm-hmm. the fun facts for White Christmas were very fun. Um, One of the most fun <laughs> was that most of the songs are actually Irving Berlin songs that got cut from other shows that he reworked. <laughs> To fit the the show, so there's a a song called Snow in this. We mm-hmm. Snow, Snow. It was originally oh, yeah, called yeah. Free, and it was about freedom. And instead of saying what? Snow, they were saying Free. And yeah, and he just like changed all the lyrics to this song snow. called Free to make it about snow for White Christmas. Snow, 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 snow. snow. It won't be long before we'll all be there with snow. Snow, snow. I want to wash my hands, my face, and hair with snow. That's deranged. First of all, I love this guy <laughs> being like, oh, here's my old drafts. Everyone said this stuff was bad. I'm going to just serve it to you hot and fresh anyway. That is a very me energy. Like when, like when I, people tell me, you know, to cut stuff from like articles or from scripts or whatever, I'm like, I'm going to put it in a little document because somebody's going to laugh at these bad jokes. And I love that. He put a whole, he made $120 million today dollars uh, off of his deleted scenes. I also love the, the number snow. Like, so, so to get our listeners a sense of this movie is built on a series of 
escalating improbabilities that make no sense whatsoever. Oh my god, and the like schemes the... are in are crazy. Yeah, just hijinks and schemes for no reason. It starts off in the middle of World War II. Anyway, well, I'll come back to the plot in a second. At one point, they end up on a train for reasons only God knows, after the drag number, and the their Bing Crosby's mad because they have to sit up in the cafe car even though he had a sleeping car, but they gave the sleeping car to Rosemary Clooney and Vera Ellen. The, the women joined the men in the dining car, and they're all headed up. They're, they're supposed to be going to New York, but then they're like, let's just go to Vermont instead because the women were performing up there, and Danny Kaye's trying to fall in love with Vera Ellen, you know, this uh, as a beard, uh, <laughs> my interpretation. And so they're like, oh, it'll be great to be up in Vermont. There'll be so much snow. And then they start singing about snow and they build like a little snow, like um, tableau out of napkins and salt and stuff. But the, like, the song is so deranged. They're like, like Rosemary Clooney sings, I'm going to wash my face, my hair and yes. underwear in snow. And at seven years old, I was like, oh, this lady is cuckoo. Uh, this is crazy. <laughs> yes. I wash my hair with snow. And with a spade of snow, I'll build a man that's made of snow. You're going to wash your hair with snow? What are you talking about? Have you ever encountered snow before? <laughs> and so, right. fact, Do you I know want to know what the original... works. Lady, <laughs> it's like, do you know they have indoor plumbing up there? Um, not in Vermont, the they did it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. that's true. I can't, like, I wonder what the original free lyric was. I want it to be like, I'm going to wash my face, my hair, and underwear in free. Uh, it, that's it, like, that's what free. I want. I for free, <laughs> I chose to believe that Snow was a song about cocaine and then uh-huh. wanting to wash your hair in quote-unquote snow made a lot more sense when you're like, oh, maybe they're just all fucking high on this train to Vermont (laughs) from Florida. It's like an overnight train from Florida. Like, how long would it take to get from Florida to Vermont on a train? Yeah, no, it it would have taken at least, like, a whole day. Although I did read the trains back then were just, like, they are like raw-dogging it. They were just racing through the country. Got it. So it may have taken, like, six hours because the train was also on snow. (laughs) Um, So you were mentioning the plot. Would you like to give us a rundown of the plot? uh, Oh, Lord in heaven. White Christmas. Absolutely. I I mean, just (laughs) just the rough outline. Don't get too into the schemes. We can talk about some schemes later. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So the big picture. So there's this general. They're in World War II on a soundstage. Like they they fought the the war in Hollywood. Um, yes. No, but they're like they're in Europe someplace. Um, and uh, I think uh, Bing Crosby's character Bob is is the captain, and Danny Kaye's a character is like under him in some way. And and I think for Danny Kaye, ideally under him physically as well. Yes. Um, and uh, so they they're doing this little number because they're the general has is like is being discharged from the army. And so they do this little this little number. Um, they sing White Christmas up top, and uh, they're doing a little show for the troops. And then the the whole camp gets bombed, uh, which is a great way to begin a Christmas movie, like six <laughs> minutes in. Yes. They're like, here's your war trauma, everybody. And Danny Kaye barely, like, just saves Bing Crosby from being crushed by a wall. But Danny Kaye gets injured in the process. And he uses that injury to emotionally manipulate Bing Crosby into forming a double act with him. So, like, Bing Crosby's like, how can I pay you back? And Danny Kaye's like, commit your career to To me me and tie yourself to me physically and also financially. So then we fast forward. He must have been a Catholic because that is some fucking Catholic guilt 
bullshit right there that it's like yeah you know, that's like something my mother would do. Like, I gave birth to you, and now you have to do whatever I say for the rest of your life. It's so wild. Like, Danny Kaye is so manipulative and so, like, mewling. It's very Tom Ripley. Like, I'm like, oh, yes. Matt Damon and Jude Law need to star in White Christmas Part 2. So would watch. We, would watch. Right? I would, too. Put him in that little Speedo. Have him, like, you know, sing a little song. I really would. I'm going to pitch this. Um, <laughs> so... We fast forward. Oh God, it's so dumb. It's so ridiculous. So they're successful. They they get a, a letter from one of their old um, soldier mates, and uh, the guy is like, "Oh, my sisters have a double act. Can you go see them? Uh, they're performing at the club that you're at, or whatever." And so they say, "Sure." And so they, you know, they go see these sisters, and it's Rosemary Clooney and Vera Ellen. Then they're in some sort of trouble and because Danny Kaye immediately imprints on Vera Ellen um, it's possible that Danny Kaye's character is a sociopath in this movie anyway so the thing is so I just watched it so I remember so their landlord says they burned a hole in their rug and so they need to pay $200 but they're like we're being shook down so Danny Kaye's like okay we're gonna help you out but it's not that he he is in love with Vera Ellen but also his thing is that Bing Crosby doesn't have a girlfriend and so is making him work all the time and he's like i just want 45 minutes to myself and so he's like i need to get bing crosby married so that he'll fuck a woman instead of fucking me yes no that's yeah sorry that's that is yeah and that's what it is it's a great explication of the the life cycle of a gay relationship where you go from being like we need to be together all the time to we should open this up because you are exhausting me um (laughs) and so 100 percent correct (laughs) So Bing and Danny open up their relationship and um, they give the girls their train ticket um, to get them out of town so they can escape the landlord. The girls climb out the window. Just shenanigans. We started off in the war and now like, what's happening? And the plot to get them to the train makes no sense. So it's like, okay, we're going to call a cab and you go out the window and we're going to dress up as you and do your number in drag. And then (laughs) we're also going to jump out the window and I'm going to give you our train tickets, but then we're going to get on the same train. And Bing Crosby keeps being like, why don't we just pay the $200? Why don't we just pay the $200? And instead (laughs) they get on the train and they each end up paying $94 for the fucking train ride to Vermont. So it's like, girl, you should just pay the $200. And like, yeah, there's no narrative inevitability about any of this. It's like, okay, you chose the path that like, there's honestly no engine to this story besides Danny Kay keeps wanting things and everybody's like, I guess we'll give them to you. Wallace, I think it's time you and I have a little talk. Yeah, it's a good idea, Buster. And if you don't mind, I'll lead off. Oh, now, wait a minute. You wait a minute. You know something? For about three months now, you've been clumsily trying to entangle me with some female. All I'm trying to do, Bobby... Fat ones, tall ones, thin ones, doesn't make any difference. As long as they're wearing skirts, little mascara, and still breathing, you ran them at me. Oh, believe me, it's for your own good. For my own good? Yeah, let's face it, Bob. You're a lonely, miserable man. What? And you're unhappy, too. And when you're unhappy, I'm unhappy. After all, I feel a strong sense of responsibility to you, Bob. Ever since the oh, day I... Oh, no. Not again with that life-saving bit. Well, if you'd... Better forget it. <laughs> How can I? You won't let me. The, the plot that kind of ends there because they get up to Vermont. They discover that their old general is the landlord of this this inn, um, but it's fallen on bad financial times and there is no snow. All the drugs of the shipment is caught Gone. in the Suez Canal or something. And so, and the general tried to reenlist in the army and the army won't have him. And so they decide to put on a show at the inn Um 
uh, to uh, you know get attention, get money into the inn, and also to remind the general that he's valid and wanted. And over the course of the movie, Vera Ellen and Danny Kay immediately fall in love. Um, very cute, very you know Stanford Blanche and uh, Carrie Bradshaw vibes. And then Rosemary Clooney and Bing Crosby lock horns the whole movie. But of course, they also fall in love. Yes. Uh, and that's kind of the whole thing. Yeah. Well, because they lock horns because even getting them to the show is a scheme. So mm-hmm. it was actually one of the sisters who sent the letter yes, right. to Bing Crosby, rather, posing as their brother who was in the army with them. And then... Rosemary Clooney admits this to Bing Crosby and then he's like oh you're always playing an angle and that's so fucked up and how could you do this to us and yeah and so it's just like scheme after scheme after scheme after scheme everything is like insane and it's so fascinating because Bing Crosby like you know obviously he's a huge star at this time he's the star of the movie and this character is the most passive he's just surrounded by manipulative people who are like you know Rosemary Clooney writes this letter from their old compatriot our army friend the dog face boy and they're like well we gotta do this for the dog face boy it's like you didn't even like the dog face boy and like you don't like your partner and now you're hooked up with this woman who you also don't like I'm curious about his life choices <laughs> it's so insane and then the complication between bing crosby so bing crosby and rosemary clooney they like fall in love because vera ellen and danny k like get them together but then the complication is that bing crosby wants to get all the people from his battalion mm-hmm. or whatever to the thing so they're using this tv show that's also hosted by one of their former soldier mates is that what we're calling them soldier i believe so yeah that's the technical i looked it up yeah Yeah. and um but then the housemaid like overhears that she's gonna put it on television and that's gonna embarrass the general so rosemary clooney gets mad but actually she didn't listen to enough of the conversation and bing crosby isn't gonna do that and so she's mad so she leaves but then bing crosby goes to new york to find her and then she pisses about it's like insane it's like People, like, get it together. Right. Just fucking make out already. Let's get off the merry-go-round. Now, if you got something to say, say it. Otherwise, let's get to work. I got a lot of details here to take care of. Well, then, let's just skip all this. I, I certainly wouldn't want to interfere with the business plans of the great Wallace and Davis. Well, that's quite a remark. I'm sorry. It's the best I can do. Look, Betty, I've got no time for games today. Now, you going to sing the song or not? I don't want to sing the song. Well, nobody's twisting your arm, you know. Is that all, Mr. Wallace? Yes, that's all, Miss Haynes. Well, and then but to, speaking to your Danny Kaye is obviously a homosexual in this movie. Part of the scheme is when Rosemary Clooney gets mad at Bing Crosby. Vera Ellen thinks it's because she doesn't want to get engaged before Vera Ellen is engaged. So Vera Ellen mm-hmm. tells Danny Kay he should get fake engaged <laughs> yes. to her. And they're like sitting in a window <laughs> and she's like trying to like flirt with him and kiss him. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. He's like <laughs> yes. afraid of the vagina. He's like, take it away. Don't kiss me. <laughs> like the whole time. Yeah, like, she is a smoke show. She's pursuing this goofy Kermit the Frog-looking dude, and he's like, oh, I don't think so, madame. I couldn't possibly. I just want to go back to my double act with Bing Crosby. What? I'm obsessed. I need, I really, I'm very excited when we explore the actual gay subplots of this movie um, with Matt Damon and and Jude Law. I think it'll be crucial. (laughs) I think it will be phenomenal. So... 
obviously the movie has a bunch of great song and dance num giant production numbers. Mm-hmm. We talked about snow. Do you have <laughs> any other favorite num? Because I imagine seven year old R. Eric at mm-hmm. home like fast forwarding the VHS just to the numbers. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So Sisters is the the drag song, but Rosemary Clooney and Vera Ellen sing it first. And it's great. You know, sisters, they were never something, something. It's a um it's basically how they're they're so aligned, but like uh when it comes to men, they they're like, No, we're gonna be in competition with each other, which is hilarious. And then when being Crosby and, and um and Danny Kay lip sync it, it's even better. And Danny Kaye is clearly having the time of his life in this number. So Sisters is the best. So I read in the Amazon fun facts that Mm -hmm. that wasn't in the original script and that Danny Kaye and Big Crosby were just doing that on set. And the director was like, put it in the show. And so (laughs) then they, they did it for the show. And you can see that Rosemary Clooney wrote in her autobiography that you can see in the number that Bing Crosby keeps cracking up. And apparently Mm -hmm. that was just like him laughing at Danny Kaye fucking going for it. The boots down, bring the house down, (laughs) like living shablam shablam for it. And Big Crosby's just like cracking up. And that's my favorite number, I would say. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's classic. And it's gorgeous. You know, they look so cute. And I think every movie should have a number where the two stars dress in drag and uh, that has nothing to do really with the plot and wasn't there originally. Yeah. Um, so there is there is a minstrel show number in the middle of the movie, which oh, makes this I movie was controversial. Just going to get to this. <laughs> and yeah, it's like a combination of three songs. And the first one is like based the premise of the song is like, oh, I wish we had minstrel shows again. And uh I love that number. It's so <laughs> that is a hot take. It's incendiary. I am like I'm. I can feel the internet rising up against me. Look, it is a very offensive number. Um, it's not as offensive as many of the things that were in Holiday Inn, the movie that preceded this, um, which has this number about Abraham Lincoln, which features uh, these like two little black kids like mewling at his feet. It's disgusting. But this one's just like, oh, we miss minstrel shows. Not for race reasons. There's no black people in this movie. Uh, maybe like a porter or something. But no, because there's not the- one single. It is the yeah. whitest Christmas. But um, there it's... It's about like a missing a performance style. And then they do this sort of like avant-garde sort of downtown like art number. And then they just do a, like a, a song dance tambourine number. Vera Ellen just sort of like kills it with these like, you know, with a turnout. Kills it. With and this it's just... dancer who is in a number of several of the other numbers. His name is John mm-hmm. something. I looked it up. But he is fucking hot to death and in the tightest of pants yes and i think that's why seven-year-old eric like imprinted because i was like oh this is the horny ass number and i am obsessed (laughs) with these like sexy 1950s men who like were wearing like you know lululemon uh like spandex pants yes yeah so it's like i love that number 
because it's a great showcase of performers and it's also intellect i have to take my brain out put it in a jar and like take my phone off the hook because the naacp is calling like you need to get your shit together <laughs> i pawn my overcoat and that's to see a man's You know how people are always like, oh, I hate musicals. They just start singing. Like what they do mm-hmm. in White Christmas is they're rehearsing the show to put on in the mm-hmm. ski lodge. And so they show these like blackboards and it says today's rehearsal is the minstrel show. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like from 2021, just like grit, like, oh, no, I'm going to see some white people with black makeup on their faces. And then it cuts them and they're not wearing blackface. And I'm like. And then Mm -hmm. they do this like whole number and I'm like, okay, this isn't great. It's not as offensive as it could be until they get halfway through the number and all the chorus girls, I kid you not, are wearing watermelon print dresses. Yeah, yeah, it's, (laughs) it is, uh, it's indefensible. Like it is, it's indefensible. And it's like, we're not going to do blackface, but we Mm. wish we still could. That's like the spirit of the number. Yeah. It's truly wild. It doesn't make any sense to even do this number in a variety show at a ski lodge in at Christmas. Like, wh- who is coming? Who's like, I got to get on a train to Vermont to watch people be nostalgic about the Confederacy. Like, that feels fraught. It's a very Florida idea. So, yeah, yes. I don't... I do not defend this. I do <laughs> like, but, but it definitely. <laughs> but the dancing is on point. I am not gonna lie. Oh my Mira god, Ellen fucking kills it. She kills it. You know, and Rosemary Clooney. She. Oh my god. She. Rosemary Clooney's hand choreography in this movie is astounding, and she has another number, a sort of torch song called "Love You Didn't Do Right by Me," and she like she really kills it. As they say in the song, you done me wrong. Yes, Mr. Love, you done me wrong. It's so funny, she plays a prig in this movie, and... It's sort of, it's hard because everyone else is having so much fun. And so you do see a little bit of that fun in the minstrel show number, which is sort of nice to see. Oh, God. Why am I, I spent 10 minutes defending this. A minstrel show. (laughs) (laughs) Now that we've gotten that out of the way, we're going to take a little break and come back and do something fun. There's something different about my mango pineapple smoothie. Really? My caramel frappe tastes fine. Nah, something's definitely different. No difference? Other than I got them for half off because I ordered on the app. Well, that explains it. Explains what? How things seem to taste so much better when you're getting a sweet deal. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Right now at Mickey D's, get 50% off any size McCafe beverage when you order through the McDonald's app. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Follow one time per day. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. And welcome back. I'm Brian Moylan. We are here 
on the 12 Gays of Christmas, talking to our Eric Thomas about White Christmas. And we just talked about a problematic <laughs> minstrel show. And I feel like we need to play a little game. Do you feel like that you would like to great. play a game? Okay. It's a fill in the blank game. I am going to sing you a line of a Christmas carol, and you have to fill in the blank. Perfect. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the Yuletide blank. Gay. You're correct. It is gay. Okay. Don, we now are blank apparel. Uh, gay? You are correct. And then they shouted out with glee, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, you'll blank in his story. Go down. You are correct. Okay. This is this is from Carol the Bells. Christmas is here, bringing good cheer to young and old, meek and the bold, ding, blank, ding, blank. <laughs> dong. You are correct. It is dong. Okay. This is this is a good Catholic one. This we sang this in church every every year. Oh blank, all ye faithful, <laughs> come. You are correct. I saw three ships blank sailing in on Christmas Day. On Christmas Day, it's come again. You are correct. Blank. They told him po rumpa pum pum. <laughs> Coming a third time. Yes, you are correct. Yes. The answer is always come. The answer, it's always come. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> that was the game that we had to play. Incredible. Um, <laughs> so, our Eric Thomas, would you consider White Christmas a Christmas movie? And if so, why? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it is... Uh, and it's odd because they really don't deal with the idea of Christmas beyond the beginning and the end. Um, it takes place at Christmas at war and it takes place at Christmas at the lodge. But I think it's, you know, I think it's a Christmas movie because uh, Christmas movies, some of the genre is about gathering people together, family members, loved ones, chosen family and that really is the energy of this movie. It's all about getting the band back together, getting the the army group back together, getting the show back together, and then, you know, these these two relationships, falling in love. It also, like all great Christmas movies, uh, has a subplot about a gay man pulling out a bunch of hijinks and stunts. Um, and that <laughs> feels the most gay. So I'm of two minds about this because actually it doesn't seem like much of a Christmas movie. Like you said, there's like no snow. There's no dealing with Christmas. You almost forget in all the hijinks and craziness and dance numbers that are minstrel shows that have nothing to do with Christmas, that they do that Count Your Blessings Instead of Sheep song is from this movie, which has become like a kind of Christmas classic as well. When my bankroll is getting small I think of when I have none at all And I fall asleep Counting my blessings. But other than that, like mm -hmm. nothing is really Christmassy. It's almost more about a war movie. Like they start in the war. It's about their general mm -hmm. and being with their war friends and things like that. And so I'm like, oh, or it's like a rom-com. It's like these two couples falling in love, putting on a show. So I'm like, it's not a Christmas movie. But also now in like that Hallmark Christmas vein, it's 
Mm-hmm. Big city people go to a small town. They have to help a small business by putting on a yes. show, you know, and it's like in the Hallmark movies, you always like go back home and fall in love with your high school sweetheart. Like here, mm-hmm. it's like we're going to the small town. We have to help out our old general. So I can't tell if it's Christmassy or not. I do feel like early, like in the 50s and 60s, like the idea of a Christmas movie, I think because Coca-Cola was still inventing Christmas at that time. Yes. So they, people didn't know what Christmas was. They were like, what is this holiday? And But like Christmas movies were just so like, they were like, is this what you want? Does this feel like something? And it only like in retrospect, like I think what Christmas like drew the blueprint. And I think modern movies sort of shaved away. They're like maybe less war. Um, in a Christmas <laughs> good start, movie, good start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe no minstrel number, um, and maybe like a clearer plot that's essentially like come home for Christmas. So when we rewrite it, starring yeah. Matt Damon <laughs> yeah. and Jude Law as a gay couple that want to open up their relationship, mm-hmm. and you know they meet up with a sister act played by Justin Bieber and Harry Styles, and <laughs> um. Yeah, and they go up, you know, they pay the landlord, and they're like, well, we got these tickets, we're going to go up to Vermont. They um, they go up, they're like, oh, it's our old general. And the general's like, yeah, I'm tired, and I'm, this doesn't make any money. And they're like, great, we're going to buy it from you and turn it into, we're going to start a show on HGTV. And that's the whole movie. Like, that's, right. they buy this bed and breakfast, and they turn it into a clothing optional resort. It's basically a Quibi show. It's like yeah. 15 minutes <laughs> and you're done. <laughs> yes. And, like, and then Beer Ellen like does the turns and you're like, yes, queen. And that's <laughs> yes, the end. Yes, yes. And you have like Laganja Estranja dressed as Vera Ellen. <laughs> yeah. Like Sublam, Sublam. I do think I I think there is actual legs to this. Uh we've talked about how Danny Kay may or may not be a homosexual. We've talked about the dragon 100%. number. Would you consider this a queer Christmas movie? Yeah, I mean, it's the engine of the story is this chaotic gay man's desire to hang out with the guy that he fell in love with at the army. Like, they fell in love in the barracks. He saved his life. It's it's a romance. And then they're like, hey, what if we spent an hour and a half just doing choreography? That's very <laughs> queer incredibly well, queer and then it in the show that they put on for the general they do a number called i wish i was back in the army now which is basically like i hate my life i hate my wife i want to be around a bunch of dudes mm-hmm. again yes yeah yeah meals a day for which you didn't pay a million handsome guys with longing in their eyes i thought that i was through with all my care and strife and what's so interesting, Dr. Eric Servini writes about the queerness of the wartime World War II life in um, the Deviance War, um, his like history of, of Frank Kameny. And he writes about how like so many men came back from war having had same-sex experiences and it just it changed culture it opened up the cruising sort of blew up and it really sort of motivated a lot of the the advances in in sort of like visible queerness that you see in the 50s and 60s leading up to stonewall because guys were like 
oh yeah, I got a little taste uh, in the barracks and I enjoyed it. That's the that's the the inciting incident of this movie is that Danny Kay went to war and turned gay. I have actually seen a movie, I believe it's a documentary on my favorite streaming service. It's called um, Dink Flamingo. <laughs> have you heard of it? And it's like I have not. Oh, no. it's Criterion like, Collection. Yeah, and it's like about all these like military guys, and they like fuck. <laughs> Not, I, oh, you know what? I think I've seen something like that. Yeah, maybe not that one. But yeah, it sounds very familiar to yeah, me. Yeah, it sounds like the plot of many movies that I've enjoyed for 12 minutes at a time out the course of my adult life. Our Eric Thomas, please tell the people where they can find you. Not like physically, but like where they can find you on the internet. So what you got to do is you got to write a letter to the dog face boy you used to go to the war with. Um, <laughs> then you got to get on a train. You'll find me at a old Vermont inn under the name Danny Gay. Um, <laughs> you can find me on the internet. Um, our Eric, O-U-R-E-R-I-C, is uh, my handle on Twitter and Instagram. I also write a couple of newsletters, one on Bulletin called Previously On, um, and uh, it's about pop culture and nostalgia. And I write a weekly humor newsletter called, uh, you can find that at letter.rericthomas.com. I love it. It comes out on Sundays. I click on it every week. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank um, you so much. And thank you so much for being here. I would also like to thank everybody who has subscribed, rated, and reviewed 12 Gays of Christmas, unless you talk shit about us, and then you're getting coal in your stocking. And be sure to check out the other podcasts from The Dip, including Hot Off the Mess with Samantha Bush, Morgan's Pop Talks, TV Watch Repeat, and so many more. Visit thedip.com where you can get more pop culture commentary and analysis. That's The Dip with two Ps. The second P is for poinsettia. And follow them on Instagram at The Dip. Of course, you can find me, Dame Brian J. Moylan, at Brian J. Moylan. And I will see you next week. Merry Christmas, you little animals. <laughs>